Do you crave deep and meaningful conversations? The kind of conversations that jazz you up, stretch your mind, and leave you wanting more? Welcome to Suzanne Says, Courageous Conversations About Life and Living. I'm your host, Suzanne Bird-Harris, and I talk with friends and colleagues about what lights them up, their fears and flaws, who they've been, who they are, and who they're becoming. You know, the stuff that makes and breaks us. So get comfy. Here we go. Sandra, thank you so much for joining me today. I am really excited to have this conversation with you. And I think I want to just dive right in and um, ask you, without mentioning what you do for other people, who are you? Who am I? Um, primarily a mom first. I have a 17-year-old son and I'm a creative person. I really like science and art and creativity and I like bringing the two together to see things differently. Oh yeah. Awesome. So how does that show up in what you do for other people these days? Are you doing what you want to be doing? Absolutely. Um, so what I do is I help uh, building owners and design teams create energy efficient, healthy, and resilient buildings. And it's the combination of that beauty of architecture, but the science of um, passive design, passive solar, uh, and all the performance of all the different building materials. So it's like that, that cross pollination is what I really like. So tell me what is passive what did you say? Passive design? What is, what's that in a nutshell? <laughs> well, it gets really cold here in Toronto, Canada. So right. um, building technology has changed such that the windows used to, use, they used to lose a lot of heat to the right. outside during the winter. And now they're so high performance that they're net gainers. So the net heaters for the building. Oh, wow. um, when, the, when the sunshine comes in, it heats up the building and warms it up during the winter. And if you design the window openings the right size in the right orientation, then they'll keep your, your house pretty warm, even in the depth of a Canadian winter. So how's that work in reverse in the summertime? What do you guys get up to temp-wise up there? I mean, you're not cool in the summer by any stretch. Yeah, we have hot, humid summers um, and heat waves that are becoming more frequent. Mm -hmm. So our our climate right now um, is uh, we have like two or three weeks during the summer um, that is hot and humid. And by 2030, 2040s, uh, we're going to have uh, 30 or 40 days of the summer that are going to be hot and humid. Um, it's super important uh, during the summer that you have large overhangs that are sized properly that can shade your your home. So you don't want that direct sunlight coming in during right. the summer. And then um, making sure that the, the windows and doors and openings line up so that you can bring the prevailing winds through the house in a way where it enters low and exits high and gets the, the breezes going right through. And then you can assist that with night ventilation cooling. So as long uh -huh. as the temperatures drop at night, like even Lahore, Pakistan, uh, the temperatures drop at night there and they can do like a night flush of the building and get the temperature down 
um, during during the evening and then you're all set for the next day, right? So you start out cool as well the next day because of the overnight having come in and kind of cleaned everything out, right? Yeah, so are, are you, is this a way to not have to have AC? Yeah, there's a risk of overheating. So what we don't want is um, for the building to overheat because that's not fun for anybody, but for a house, right. for a house you can usually put in uh, what's called a, a heat pump. Uh, you might know it as a mini split and it, it just looks like a box on the inside of your, your home. And then there's this condenser fan coil on the outside that runs and it can run both ways. It can heat your building up during the winter and then it can cool your building just like a fridge. Imagine your home is the fridge instead of uh -huh. instead of the fridge in the in the house. Um, right. It just acts like a refrigerator and pumps that heat from and extracts it from the house to the outside in in the summer. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Wow. So, um, wow, you're blowing my mind with this because boy, living in Oklahoma, let me tell you what, my air conditioning went out a couple of weeks ago and nothing sends me over the edge faster than being too hot oh my goodness and I just have I every time it happens anytime any kind of funkiness happens with my AC which is almost every season I don't know how I'm so blessed but um, every time it, it makes me think of the people who settled here you know 200 years ago and I'm like man those women in long skirts and long sleeves and trekking around in this hundred degree heat. I'm like, surely they had to be like running around in their skivvies. They couldn't have been in all that garb all day long. They just, they'd have passed out. I'm like, but then I guess there is some, you know, I know from my own experience when it's really blistery hot here, I'm cooler by having something lightweight that covers me than having all my skin out so that's true because the movement of the, the cloth on your body yeah. actually cools you down and buildings yeah. were designed differently back then um they weren't as airtight as your house is probably so and they carefully lined up windows and doors i went to a plantation house just outside of new orleans and uh -huh. it was beautifully designed it looked very symmetrical but you realized when you're walking through it, that it was all designed for passive cooling, like the, with the windows lining up with the doors and you could get the breeze going through the whole house. Like how mm -hmm. often do you see a house that's designed and you could get a, a breeze going through the whole thing if you opened up all the doors and windows. What was really interesting was that they had this, this roof attic area that mm -hmm. was enclosed in shutters and they would go up there and sleep and uh they would be all enclosed in and safe right uh -huh. but, but the breezes would just blow right through it there's nothing that's wild about. because you know we're always taught heat rises so that'd be the last place in louisiana i'd think of to go and try to sleep i'd probably want to be down on the front porch and you know <laughs> But well, they, no. didn't, they didn't have a basement and the front right. porch wasn't safe. Right. right? So right. that was the best option. And they probably closed a door so that the heat wasn't rising up into it. Right. 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 But that now makes... that whole attic is full of big, huge air conditioning ducts. 
no. Wow. Yeah. They put it, they went in and, you know, took that 1800s plantation and just kind of chopped through it to put these big oh. ducks in and stuff. They didn't oh, have didn't any that of that back then. Mm. I loved their fridge though. They had this um, terracotta pot that was uh -huh. set into the, uh, the mud floor of the kitchen. Uh-huh. And the, the terracotta pot um, went down about two or three feet into that, into that mud. Yeah. And it would stay at about eight or nine degrees Celsius in that pot with a, a cork lid to it. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know out here, um, they put things in the creeks to keep them cool. That's a good idea. Water. We used to do that camping. We yeah. would take our, our beer and we would string it up on a, on a line that we'd, we'd yeah. fish on. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'd, we'd trail it along the canoe. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild so how long have you been doing this kind of work I did architecture um I studied architecture in uh, university and when I first graduated I was really lucky because I uh, started working for a really advanced uh engineer that was mm -hmm. helping design these passive buildings back then it was they were off it was an off-grid school I was working on um and not only was it all powered with renewable energy, but they also had what was called a bioregenerative waste treatment system in the school to treat all of the sewage waste. Uh -huh. And it went through a series of ecosystem tanks and ended up in this wetland. And the water in that wetland was cleaner than the lake water outside. <laughs> next wow. to Wow. Yeah, it was really amazing engineering, and uh, Tom and Jerry's uses it in Vermont uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, to treat all of their their leftover food waste. They use it for wow. cities in China, all kinds of things. Yeah. Okay, without getting too political here, or I'm okay to go there if you are, but why do great ideas like this seem to exist in a vacuum or only in these little pockets of places? Why isn't this kind of stuff more widespread? Yeah, and I think it comes to our um, our perspective, right? So if you uh -huh. if you we have certain blinders, certain ways of doing things, right? It's like a horse wearing blinders, yeah. and and if you have done something a certain way and it worked, and it's it's a known cost, and it's predictable, and it's dependable then it's hard to get out of that. It's like a, a rut, right? Yeah. And you, and you don't have that perspective because you have the blinders on, you don't have that perspective of, you know, what are the possibilities of doing anything different, right? And is this knowledge, like this is fairly specialized knowledge, I would imagine, not common for every man. Although yeah. I'm, it could be. <laughs> just like what we know to be so familiar now is like I'm not a home builder by any stretch but I know how these systems in my house work so I guess that's part of it as well huh it is part of it uh, I think we've lost a lot over the generations um, I know we lost a lot in North America because the indigenous population was devastated by smallpox that came with the initial European visitors mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. to North and South America and preceded, 
you know, the, the main colonial um, right. um, infiltration of North America. So for example, they found um, fishing technology that's thousands of years old um, in, uh, I think it was the East Coast, but the indigenous people in that area didn't even know about it because that wow, whole so that chain was that'll, lost. Yeah, that whole part of the civilization was lost. Hmm. So, so, so we did lose a lot. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And and we get all hopped up on our technology and great ideas and the chase of the new, new, new. And hmm. wow. Yeah, and there's very little monetary incentives for yeah. doing something new that might have uh, societal environmental benefits because those have been uh, seen as intangible and not you can't calculate the the benefits of it you can't put it on the the books it doesn't show up in the profit and loss balance mm -hmm. um, and unless unless there is a mechanism for incentivizing companies and government to do things differently then then they ignore that aspect quite frequently well that's what i find with my clients it's very difficult to convince them to build a better building if it's going to cost them more but um when i start bringing in and that's why i don't just do the energy efficiency um, when mm -hmm. i start bringing in the healthy building aspects of it when i start building building in like the resiliency of it uh, like a passive house a certified passive house will um will not freeze, like all your pipes won't freeze uh, if all of the heating goes out on it for days and days. Wow. And, and it won't overheat for days and days without the power as well. So um, all of our buildings that we have been designing for the last hundred years are basically on life support. They're on yeah. mechanical systems to heat and cool them. And well, they can dance the very things that could do it on their own, huh? And the building itself could be used to heat and cool. Wow. So that, that's what I really like. It's bringing the power back to architecture. It's bringing, bringing the science back to architecture. And it's not just, oh, we're going to make a look, you know, a pretty building. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you were talking about the plantation house and how opening all the windows, getting the breeze through, I think I got very lucky with my house. It faces south. And I have four big windows on the front of the house, which the way the house is positioned and the way the sun sets in the summertime, uh, my front yard, and thanks to the elm tree in my neighbor's backyard, there's a at least 10 to 15 degree difference in the temperature between my front yard and my backyard because of that tree. And, but in the spring and the fall, I don't have a lot of windows along the back in that part of the house. It's a three bedroom ranch, you know, so a little rectangle. But the between those windows on the front and my front door, if I open those and I just open the windows over the sink in the kitchen on the opposite side of the house, I get like torrent wind through there, like blow up your skirt kind of wind, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and and through the use of box fans, I can get the other had the bedroom half of the house involved in that um, because I do have like the window in the front 
on the street side and then there's an opposite window here in this room, this one right here. So I can open that one, open the one in my bedroom, open this both, make sure both doors are open and with a box fan properly positioned right there at the end of the hallway, I can get some of that happening, even though this part of the house is all cut up into rooms, it's not open like the other end of the house is. And my kids used to, <laughs> back in another lifetime, when I was with my daughter's father, his kids would come and visit on the weekends and his daughter was <laughs> wearing her, her parka all the time in my house. Wow. And I'm like, <laughs> Uh, you know, you can put more clothes on, sweetheart, but I can only take so many off. So we're going to go with keeping me comfy. And if you're cold, put some more clothes on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in, I was able every year I do this, um, see how long I can last without turning the air on. And I made it to June this year, which is really wow. impressive in Oklahoma. Um, and then in the fall, you know, I'll in September, we usually start, we get like a, not a cold snap, but a, a preview of things to come, you know, like a little cool mm -hmm. spell. And once that comes, I'm like, Ooh, watch it. Air's going off folks. We might be a little warm and heated a couple of days, but I just love the, and out here back East, I grew up back East and I had allergies and hay fever and all that nonsense. I couldn't have the house open or I couldn't breathe, you know, but out here, I'm not allergic to any of the stuff they've got out here. So opening oh, wow. up the house wow. and letting it fly is just, oh, it's lovely. It's lovely. That's so amazing. yeah, I imagine um, it's a true statement though, that you enjoy this enough that you would do it even if you didn't get paid. Is that true or false? I mean, practical things of money aside. I think I would. Um... I recently got into writing books uh -huh. and I have to say, I enjoy that more <laughs> and really, yeah. And I, and I also, um, just did a, a, a course in, um, passive design and became a certified passive house designer. Uh -huh. And I haven't done design work of architecture for a very long time. And I'm looking forward to getting back into that. I'm talking to a couple that wants to build a house just outside of Montreal. And I want to design houses. I was really inspired when I went uh, in November of 2019 to um, Oak Park neighborhood of Chicago and mm -hmm. saw Frank Lloyd Wright's houses that he had designed there. Mm -hmm. And some of them were not very successful. <laughs> and I thought to myself, like, I don't have to be a perfect, perfect designer to, to design homes like I can design very beautiful homes and they don't have to be perfect and I always had this idea in my head that everything had to be perfect and um I think <laughs> I with where my, we got that from huh <laughs> yeah I think with my age I'm letting that go it's, it's like <laughs> nothing is perfect but you have to enjoy your life and I really miss that aspect of of design and and everything from the outside in I worked mm -hmm. as an interior designer for a couple of decades. So mm -hmm. I, I love furniture and millwork and, you know, kitchen design. And I designed hotel restaurants and I love looking at different kitchen appliances and how they work together. And 
um, new technologies in, in uh, cooking that take less energy, like induction cooking. And uh -huh. I love all of that, like everything from the outside in. So I'm really looking forward to doing that work um, for my clients. I think that that's super exciting to me. And then um, I do other work uh, on retrofits of buildings. And I think it's just because I'm so passionate for my clients. And I, yeah, I do coaching on new construction as well, but they have to be the right clients. Like I've got yeah. nonprofits and charities that I work with on those. And it's like I tuck them under my wing and uh -huh. just make sure that it all gets done properly for them. And I, I love that aspect of it. So yeah, very, I think I would do it all if I wasn't, if I retired, like if I, like I can't imagine retiring, but if I was financially, you know, able to let go of the money aspect of it, I think I would still be doing what I do. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, I too cannot imagine retiring. I'm like, what would I do with myself? I have so many ideas up here that have had to sit on the shelf for so long. I'd be, I'll be that crazy old 90, old, 90 year old lady trying weird stuff. You know, just like, oh, what is she up to now? <laughs> oh, goodness. Definitely. So you said you have a 17 year old son and I have three kids of my own. So we're both moms. Um, how are you different from who you were before you became a mom now that to who you are now as a mom? How has that impacted? Um, I'd say less anxious. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had this, you know, anxiety about um, being, becoming a parent and how I would raise a kid mm -hmm. and how they would turn out. And what they would be like when they're a teenager. Uh -huh. And I love how I raised my kid and I love my relationship with him. And I just feel like there's just so many things that I did right. I mean, again, not perfect by any right. means. Right. But I can look back at it and say, you know what? I feel really good about all of it. And it's awesome. It's nice to have that, you know, that chapter kind of like complete in a way like he moves to um to ottawa which is a five-hour drive away um mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning of september to start university mm -hmm. and uh i'm becoming an empty nester and who knows for how long whether he'll be a boomerang kid and come back but um all three of mine have been boomerangs so far yeah so who knows right but yeah. but for now he'll be living in student residence and pretty far away right so yeah. a new chapter yeah isn't it interesting to look at them and I don't know if you do this but sometimes I I look at them and I think I try to imagine me not being their mother but just who is this person on planet earth that I'm looking at and listening to and they're some fascinating creatures these three and I, I, I really, I really share that sentiment of, I look at them and I'm like, dang, you guys are cool. And I didn't, I don't know that on the front end of that, I mean, for me, I've always known I wanted to be a mother. That was the only thing I know for sure. Everything else has been whatever caught my attention and I'm, I have 5 billion interests. So me 
picking a favorite of anything is ridiculously hard. But with these three, it's like, I knew I wanted to be a mom. I had some very specific ideas like most of us do about what that was going to entail or, or not based on my own upbringing. And the rest of it, I just kind of winged it. And Lord, Lord, did I not do a perfect job. But I also think that, you know, I have been on a, I've, I've had a major focus on personal growth and who I'm trying to become as a human for most of my life. And I think that probably was for me, the saving grace where I was not measuring up as a mother, that piece of me that was always striving to do better kind of filled in some of those gaps, you know, now in the moment, <laughs> those were difficult moments and strife filled and there was a lot of drama back there but now now they're all over 21 now there's especially with the oldest he's 34 this year and there's been enough time pass between all that high noon drama years of his late teens early 20s um that now we just he he told me the other day he said you know mom I really sit and think about it. And there's just no other thing you could have done, but what you did. So don't feel bad about it. You, we kind of had each other in lockstep, you know, it's like, you didn't have a lot of choices based on what I was doing and vice versa. So, you know, we're good. We're through it. And, and, you know, he will, he will tell, he'll tell me often that I am one of his, <laughs> he uses ride or die chicks. <laughs> I'm his ride or die. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I could deal with that. I I really like having that level of um, knowing about this human that I brought here. I know him well, and it's awesome. And my daughter, I'm getting to know that well. And the one in the middle, he, not so much. I don't see him as much. I don't have as much time spent with him. And he's like his mama, much of introvert keeps to himself has a lot of alone time needs a lot of alone time so he's probably the one that i'm gonna have to chase down and have look we need to have some conversations i'll take you to breakfast we can do it however we want to but by golly i need to get to know you sir <laughs> he'll be like okay ma come on <laughs> but they know who they've got with me so you know they he can run but he can only hide for so long. I'll find him. <laughs> yeah. I but. can't imagine if I had had an, an extrovert kid. Um, my, my son's an introvert and, uh, you know, really needs his time mm -hmm. himself. And, but we, we do, um, we have good talks. We go for walks around the neighborhood together. I really yeah. enjoy my time spent with him. Uh -huh. Just Lately, we've been cooking together. Mm. So that's been fun. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to think of some special things that we can do together before he leaves. Um, but, you know, this is an ongoing thing. Uh, yeah. I'm going to see him probably yeah. in mid-October for Canadian Thanksgiving. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I don't have to fit everything in before he leaves. That's He's true. getting a lot of pressure from other people to see them and everything else. And I just, I don't want to add more pressure to his life. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's going to be really fascinating to see who he is each time he comes home and all the influences of school and the people he meet there and the things he's studying and how that impacts how he sees the world. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I would be really excited in your shoes to have that ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to, to seeing him thrive mm -hmm. uh, studying what he wants to study. I think it's going to be a lot of work. Um, and so does, does he, he know what he wants to study? Uh, he's going into aerospace engineering. Oh yeah. That's a little bit of studying. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> huh? Yeah. He's got his work cut out for him, but that's okay. He's up, he's up to the challenge. He's yeah. very, very smart. Um, and when he puts his mind to it, he really does focus and get things done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Out of my three, I would say the oldest and the youngest are extroverts and the middle one, Tyler, is an introvert. Like, and, you know, growing up, and they're all six years apart in age. So that impacted their growing up. Um, Joe definitely got the least experience, most mistake making mother of the three of them, just by virtue of hadn't been doing it long. He's the first one, you know. And then when he was six, Tyler was born, and it was great when I, when they were little like that, because Joe was like, Hey, go get a bottle, Joe. Hey, go, will you go get the wipes out of the living room, Joe? And I don't have to be toting around this half-dressed baby, you know? And it was great. And he was so, he was so protective of his little brother. Um, I babysat for families that are like that. So yeah. my, my practice kids was babysitting and being mm -hmm. a nanny. Mm -hmm. um, I started babysitting when I was 12 and mm -hmm. had a lot of babysitting jobs. And then I was a part-time nanny in the summer of 91 before I graduated from university. And that convinced me that kids were a lot of work and I was going <laughs> to take my time before having them, <laughs> which was a good oh, thing. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. I, had, I had my son when I was 35. I turned 35 that year. Gotcha. That's when I had my daughter, my youngest. I had uh, Joe when I was 23, Tyler when I was 29, and Lexi when I was 25 or 35. And, you know, I think it's true what they say about the older moms. I was calmer. I was, um, no, but I also had two prior to her at that age too. So I think a lot of the, the ah, everything has to be perfect. Keep all the germs away, all that. <laughs> my daughter was eating dirt, you know, it's like, you yeah. I was pretty relaxed as a mom. I have to say, yeah. I, I was also one of those ones that kind of kept an eye on research and signed my kid up for baby sign language courses, you know, and that kind of thing too. So it was a combination, mm -hmm. but I think yeah. I was a pretty relaxed mom and I, oh my God, it aged me though. Like I was pregnant with my, my kid and went for a checkup at the hospital and they were giving me a hard time. They were like, you know, people like you that are so young, they shouldn't be having kids. So, so young, <laughs> like what? I said, did you so see young. my chart? I said, did you see my chart? I'm 35. She goes, they were using 35. words like geriatric pregnancy with me at 35. How'd you look out? <laughs> I'm like, look, I, I don't need a wheelchair. I'm just 35. <laughs> oh, but you're, this is, and you're like 
gestational diabetic and you're geriatric this i'm like what that was crazy <laughs> and then there they are telling you not to be having kids so young at 35 uh -huh. wild i know when were but i didn't have any kids at 45 <laughs> i didn't have any kids so i didn't i didn't age right <laughs> uh, yeah well that's true yeah that's yeah. true because i already had i was on the precipice i did have a teenager no joe turned 13 right after lexi was born so yeah there i was when i and then when i lost my job and started my business back in 2002 i had a 15 year old a nine-year-old and a three-year-old so i have oh one God. in high school one in elementary school and one in diaper that was fun and that's that's actually probably the reason I started a business. I'd always wanted to. I'd always wanted to work for myself. And I always had some kind of business on the side when I was working. But that whole 15, nine, and three from one person, I was a single mom. There, there is not enough of me to go to two different schools in a daycare based on what happens in their day. One gets, it just, I didn't have time to go to an office all day long. I'm like, I got to figure out how to make money right here while I can look at all of them. And I uh, spent some years early on substitute teaching for the express purpose of A, keeping my oldest one in school. And so I'd go get paid to spy on him. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> he was cool. not a fan. Yeah, he no. was not a fan, but <laughs> no. But then my younger son, I, I subbed a lot of his classes and that was more a prevention, preventative of, okay, well, we didn't quite keep Joe in school and he's a whole other personality anyway. So let's take what I learned there and apply it here. And I remember one day I told him, <laughs> I told Tyler, I said, look, dude, you are graduating high school. I don't care what it takes out of the two of us to make that happen. It, the high school dropout slot in our family is taken. If you're not on board with this, I don't know what to tell you. Take it up with God because I can't help you. You're graduating. And <laughs> the law had been laid down. <laughs> yes, yes. Defy me if you want to. And oh, did he try? I mean, actually, that's not even fair to say. Tyler is not a defiant kid. He wasn't even as a teenager. What got him in trouble was his big heart. He had a girlfriend who had a really messed up family and she ran away from home and tried to come here. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not getting in the middle of that. And she ended up in the foster system and she'd constantly run away from there and he'd sneak her in his bedroom window because mom, we can't have her out in the yard in 15 degree weather, so freeze. And I'm like, uh, how about she stays where she belongs? She won't freeze there, you know? She didn't need to be in our backyard. So, you know, the, that kid, <laughs> I laid down the law like that, I sure did. And it must've made an impression because second semester of his sophomore year in high school, he got our, our schools had a policy of attendance. If you miss so many days, I don't care what your grades are, you're not passing, you funk because you weren't here. <coughs> and behind that rule, <coughs> excuse me, he got zero credit 
for his second semester of sophomore year and zero credit for all of his junior year. And that was the 18 months this was going on in our world. And finally, we got some resolution with her. She finally decided this wasn't this pop-up thing she was doing was not working out for her. And um, they ended up breaking up, not a big surprise. And I remember sitting out on the back deck with him discussing how is he going to get all these credits made up and graduate on time. I didn't see a way for that to happen. He looked at me and he said, with the same vehemence, I told him that he'd have to take it up with God. He's graduating with the same voice and attitude back at me. He's like, oh, don't you worry, mom. I'm graduating on time. I'm going to make it happen. And I'll be darned if he didn't. And I told him on graduation day, I'm like, oh, you done messed up, sir. He's like, what do you mean? I said, you showed me what you're capable of here. Holy cow. That's amazing to have made up. He did essentially two and a half years in one year and obviously had a lot of help and cooperation from his teachers and stuff, but they really made him do the work. And I was like, wow, it was, it was something else to watch. So my poor daughter, by the time she gets to high school, she's like, fine, I'm just here. I'm going to graduate. And she did. But there was no fight out of her because she's like, okay, those two tried all both ends of the, never mind. I'm just gonna do what she says. <laughs> I'll fight my battles on another front with her. And she has. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was something. It was also kind of a, you know, I've always joked about kids or people with one child, you miss so much of the drama of raising kids with only one because you don't ever have to hear mom he's looking at me mom he's touching my stuff you know that kind of thing I, would I don't have know more. that really disqualifies you though because you deal with a different set of things that people with multiples don't have to deal with you know I, yeah. like all that effort just for one kid <laughs> yeah right yeah. like yeah. you're a mom you're tied down, you have that as a priority and it's just one kid, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you raise them and they leave and it's like, okay, <laughs> the empty house, right? I, now I would have had more kids, but um, I had a back injury when I was pregnant and mm. I, blew, I blew a disc in my back and I was in a wheelchair for six weeks and had to learn how to walk again after that pregnancy oh sandra wow Talk i had a walker for yeah i had a walker for four months and um finally was walking on my own about four months after i had jasper wow yeah it was wow. a lot in my had a lot of help i didn't I, I didn't have much help um i had a little bit but it was hard i i figured out well, my, my ex, he figured out that I could put the car seat on top of the walker and then mm -hmm. I could walk the, the baby around the apartment. <laughs> oh, instead of yeah. carrying him. Hmm? Yeah. Instead of carrying him, you mean. Like exactly. Because I couldn't carry him. I couldn't take him out on my own until he was four months old. That was the hardest part because I couldn't walk around the park. I couldn't do anything at all gosh so my if you couldn't even get him out of the car seat on your own no you couldn't I was, get him ready for bed you couldn't all well, those things I could 
I figured out ways to get him his diaper changed and mm -hmm. everything else. And obviously I, I was, well, not obviously, but I was breastfeeding and, you know, trying to recuperate at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. And I had had a C-section too. They, mm -hmm. they made me go through the full pregnancy because they couldn't do any scans to find out how badly my disc was blown. My, my doctor came to me after the C-section. It was an emergency C-section after like 15 hours of labor. Um, imagine going through 15 hours of labor with a blown disc in your back and then emergency C-section. And then the next day I was taken for an MRI and my doctor came to me and he said, I am so sorry. I did not realize that you had a major back and I don't know how you withstood it because wow. I couldn't have any painkillers for it they they ended up giving me uh corticosteroid epidural injections for mm -hmm. the inflammation um but that had you know that has long-term effects too right like it right. affects your hormones yeah so yeah. my physiotherapist said I I just barely got you walking after this one don't have another kid I'm like okay mm. Yeah. Well, after having been through that, I'm sure you probably weren't in a hurry to sign up for that again. No, yeah. no, not really. I would have, I would have had a second one if I had, if the didn't have that thing had gone well. Yeah. Yeah. He'd have a brother or sister for sure. Yeah. I think two would have been, would have been the right number. But then again, um, I separated from, from my husband. Uh, it'll be 10 years ago this month. And we ended up divorcing a few years ago and I did, you know, I think most of the parenting mm -hmm. for the two of us. And, uh, yeah, it would have been way too much for two if I had had two kids. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it all works out for a reason. That's what I it does. It does. believe in. And my son's very happy to be an only child. It's going to be so <laughs> weird because he's going to live in a in student housing and have a roommate oh he's never negotiated with anybody right long term <laughs> oh he's in for some fun huh yeah oh wow yeah. well better the college roommate than the first partner you know bear the brunt of all that learning because <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> that'd be way too hard to discern is this you or is this just you prickly because you have to share <laughs> exactly he's had to share with his cousin um on holiday for a week or two but that's it mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and they're like brothers they're within yeah. a year apart of each other um he said it's great we're like brothers but we get to grow up separate on their own yeah. stuff <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh when i get tired of you i can send you home <laughs> yeah exactly oh, that's awesome <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what is something you just couldn't live without? Mm, well, I think I found out during COVID that I just can't live without nature. Mm. Access to nature. Mm -hmm. um, it was something that I truly didn't appreciate as much before the lockdown. Didn't have it. Yeah. 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 I think that's probably true for a lot of us, actually. Um, out here in Oklahoma, I don't get the sense that we've had the same lockdown experience that more populated areas have had. Like my friends and clients back East, it's, they just talk about all this a whole different way. 
like out here, yeah, we've got COVID and we're, we had a mask mandate. We don't now, amazingly enough. And the Delta variant seems to be ripping through the state at great speeds. And that's, you know, that's a whole, whole other ball of wax there, but we are so much more spread out out here that I literally, like, it wasn't until probably August or September of last year that I really realized, oh, wait a minute, like a whole season has passed me by and I haven't been outside. Oh, wow. wow. You know, like, but that's what, cause this whole work from home, stay at home, that's been my normal for the last almost 19 years now. I don't, when I'm here at home, especially now that the kids are up and out, um, I go, I can go a whole week and my car never leaves the driveway, you know? Oh yeah. 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 And, and I'm, I'm similar, uh, Suzanne, I've been working from home now for 11 and a half years. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a big change in terms of, um, in terms I didn't of feel isolated. And, and I felt less isolated because my son was doing high school from the living room. Um, when that first started happening, like I wasn't used to having him around all the time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and making lunch for him. And like, I didn't have to pack a lunch for him anymore, but <laughs> we would have lunch together. Um, and that was a big adjustment to get used to because I wasn't, I was used to, you know, he'd leave at 7.35 in the morning and he'd be back at five o'clock at night. So I would have my day to myself and would eat whenever I wanted to. There was nobody saying, hey, I'm hungry (laughs) for lunch or I would, you know, and then I started shopping online for groceries as well. Um, So we had already been doing that too. Yeah, we kind of got a routine going with that. Like there is this um, food delivery place that that orders, that that brings in fresh uh, produce. So Mm -hmm. I would always like throw in a chocolate croissant every Monday for him. And that would be his incentive to unpack it and wash everything. (laughs) Like he could have the (laughs) chocolate croissant if he did all that. Um, So we got into a routine together and that was, that was good, but it was a big adjustment for me at first just to Mm -hmm. have him around all the time, but it was nice. I really enjoyed having Mm -hmm. him around. Um, It was a really nice surprise to spend all that time with him. Yeah. And then, and then I, I realized that I wasn't getting out at all because I used <laughs> yeah. to go downtown for networking events and meet up with clients mm-hmm. and things like that, meet up with friends. Um, all of that stuff was happening online and I wasn't getting out at all. Like there'd be weeks go by and I hadn't gotten out of the building. And every time I went out, people would be not wearing masks in the corridor and like freaking me out. <laughs> Because I live in a really large 18-story apartment building mm-hmm. with about 400 people. Mm-hmm. So it's the same number of people in this apartment building that were in the town where my parents grew up. Yeah. And then there's yeah. another one like it there. There's another one there, another one behind that one, and another one here. So there's one, two, three, four, five, minus the six in this neighborhood mm-hmm. of high-rises. And the, we're right next to a ravine there's a lot of ravines in toronto Mm -hmm. um the whole city was built on a delta of ravines and luckily uh there's a pathway right into the ravine next to our building 
So I, I found if I could just kind of like change my mind about people wearing masks and stuff in the corridors and stuff. And if I could just like get down to the bottom of the, of the building and get out, then the ravine was my respite. So back to mm-hmm. what I couldn't live without. I, I couldn't see myself surviving. You know, Toronto was the most locked down city in North America during COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're very multicultural. Um, if there's any variant coming in from anywhere, then it's going to hit Toronto. Um, as you know, SARS hit Toronto in t- 2003. So, um, yeah. We have been the most locked down city of North America, for sure. Tulsa definitely has not been. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know what it's like in Oklahoma, been. and it's totally different. I, it I is. talked to my friend Matt there, and and uh, he's like, what do you mean you're locked down again? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, we can't go anywhere. Restaurants aren't open. Like, we just reopened restaurants at the beginning of June, just the patios, the patio. Wow. Yeah, we've we've had bars and restaurants open since May 15th, 2020 here. Oh, wow. We were locked down from March to July of last year, uh, sorry, of 2020. And then patios opened for the summer. Restaurants never opened uh, for 2020. And then uh, in October, everything locked down again. It was all curbside pickup, no restaurant patios even. You couldn't sit sit on a bench in the park with someone who wasn't in your household. You couldn't sit in the park (laughs) Hmm. at all for a while. And then it was full lockdown from October to to June. And then they opened up restaurant patios. And then they opened up restaurants in July, like indoors. And with COVID seating, like every other table empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Our, our problem down here is uh, we don't have enough people like restaurants are not able to open, not because of any mandate or anything, but because they can't hire enough staff to open. We've had so many restaurants, like they'll be, they'll go down to like three or four days a week just because they, they don't have the staff to rotate shifts. Oh, wow. You know, here in Oklahoma, the unemployment, the additional amount of unemployment that people were getting during COVID just blew away so many people. It was so much more than what they were making at their jobs. There's like, never mind. I'll, I'll sit tight and look for a job that pays me more than this because I'm not going backward. And I'm like, wow, really brought, really brought to the fore the disparity in, in income here. Something. Yeah. So the inequity is hard. It is. And it's getting bigger. The gap is getting wider. And yeah. So let's uh, brighten this up for a second. What do you do for fun? Just pure unmitigated fun. What's your go-to? Um, I got into doing karaoke on an app. Yeah. On, on Shmuel? Which yeah, one? On Shmuel. Yeah. I'm going to find you. We will sing a song together. <laughs> awesome. That would be great. I would love that. I I usually did that on Friday nights during lockdowns. Um, mm-hmm. I would just, you know, get on there and sing my heart out. And um, I'm learning the ukulele. Uh, I really, yeah, I really love Billie Eilish. And she did a, um, a virtual concert last October. And uh-huh. I, I bought her uh, 
Billie Eilish signature limited edition Fender ukulele. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Wow. We have karaoke in common. How about that? I am a frustrated uh, singer. And in this life, I chose a very different path. But karaoke has come into my life, oh, probably about three or four years ago. And man, it's probably the one thing that keeps me from going just completely crazy. I, you know, in high school, I sang all day long in school and my days were very musical. And when I graduated high school, all that went. um, Mm -hmm. I used to be in choir musicals, musicals my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. And there's been a 35 year void of that while I was well not void of music but void of me creating music um I know the feeling I had a piano I I grew up learning learning piano and I didn't learn pop piano I learned classical Mm -hmm. and I've been wanting to get a piano so that's Mm -hmm. on my list to get still there's this really beautiful small compact electric piano that I want to get that mm-hmm. still has the full eight octaves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's gorgeous um so that's been on my list to uh to get I just had to finally um resign myself to the fact that I had a piano here for years Lexi's dad he works for a moving company so often he would bring home things that customers didn't want to move and they'd say hey you want this instead you know it well, he got a piano for Lexi because she was harping on him about wanting to learn piano. <sighs> Lexi does not want to learn piano, okay? <laughs> Lexi likes the idea of learning piano. So we had probably a good 10 years with a piano in this house. And for me, it was like every time I walked by it, every time I saw it, I just wanted to go sit and spend my day there playing. And I knew I couldn't. So I'm like, blinders don't look don't look and finally i'm just like quit torturing yourself with this piano give it to somebody who will take the time to sit down and play it so i gave it to my granddaughter and i don't know that she has any more time than i did to actually play it but man that's how i got through being a teenager i i played piano all day long and sang i i probably wore out the eardrums of everybody in my household but i didn't care that was music was my life and so make sure you have the time to spend with it before you get it lest you torture yourself that's true and I think that's why I haven't gotten it because I still have you know two books that I haven't finished writing and I think that it's going to be my present to myself when I finish writing my books oh that's awesome I just made that up I think (laughs) I give you credit for that okay great I'll take it that's awesome so okay what is the best thing about being you um I'm quirky like I I'm really just not normal and I really like that (laughs) like I think I think the biggest compliment people can give me when they start getting to know me is you're weird (laughs) yeah I like it when I hear it with that little bit of recognition of oh two like the two is implied you know I love that one yeah yeah (laughs) yeah used to be just you're weird now it's like oh 
You like that too? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So on the flip side, what's the worst thing about being you? Um, I'm five feet tall. <laughs> you can do all <laughs> things, but you can't reach the top shelf. <laughs> I can barely reach the top shelf just because I stretch a lot. And yeah. Try. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would rather. I mean, it comes in handy every once in a while when I take a flight and I'm on the window seat and I can stand up straight yeah. under the bulkhead <laughs> when everybody else is waiting to leave and they can't stand up. I can, and I can, I'm like perfectly able to, unless it's one of those tiny cigar planes. I rode one of them. Right. I'm like, I don't like this. I can't even stand up. Um, so I would rather be taller. <laughs> okay. I would, I would rather be four inches taller if something came out like some sort of technology came out when I'm you know later in life and it said oh you can be four inches taller yeah I would take that pill <laughs> okay <laughs> well at five feet four I'm I don't know that it's worth the pill the difference but I haven't been five feet in a very long time either but I understand the short factor it's like <sighs> there are some advantages though like there are because like you, I can almost stand up on an airplane like that, like you're talking about. And my my feet always look cute. Like they're not, they're you tiny feet, feet, right? So yeah. they always look cute. And, the, and then I can, I always feel like I'm kind of more at home in Japantown. Because oh. everybody's yeah. shorter. Yeah. But I don't, but I don't have the body type to fit into all the clothes. Right. I have right. a. I have a regular person's body just on a shorter compacted. Yeah. yeah, just compacted. I'm under tall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, under tall. But then yeah. again, I don't, I don't know that I would like the person that I, that I would be at that height, you know, like I, why not? Because do you think it would do to you? It wouldn't be me, right? So I kind of, I like myself the way I turned out. And if I had turned out, you know, to be five foot four, five foot eight, like what kind of personality would I have? Who would I be? What kind of, would I be arrogant instead of just confident? Would I be, I don't know, what would my life be like? I've never thought of it that way, but I kind of like mm. who I am. So mm, yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather just be me. And, and to be honest, if I'm, if that's all I have to complain about, then I'm pretty damn lucky. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And you lead me nicely into my last question for you, Sandra. What's the thing you're most proud of so far in your life? Um, there is a little inn on an island, off an island in Newfoundland that I helped um, the design team with. And I'm writing a book about it um, just because they, they made decisions without the blinders on like going back uh -huh. to our previous conversation uh -huh. they looked at the social impact they looked at the environmental impact um they used that in to change the socio-economic framework on the whole island and it's a beautiful beautiful place run by beautiful people and they really care about their guests it's called fogo island inn uh -huh. and that is definitely what i'm most proud of working on um for sure awesome. yeah it's it's a really really beautiful gem of a place in a in a gem of an island um yeah I just love that place there's so many little little tiny places on that island I took my son 
there a few years ago to um, to see the inn in uh -huh. Austin. Uh -huh. And we, we stayed down the street from it. It's it's five stars, so it's it's over a thousand right. bucks a night. Yeah. So we stayed at an Airbnb. <laughs> and everybody says to me, Well, why didn't you just let them know that you were coming and ask them to stay? And I'm like, Well, every dollar that is revenue goes to the community. So I didn't want them to miss out on revenue. Right. Right. I did want to see it in operation though, and I wanted my son to see it. That was really important to me. And now I'm writing a book about it. It's going to be just like a little tiny little gem of a book. And awesome. I yeah, can't wait to read it. Yeah, it's about the values that they used in um, designing it and the mm -hmm. key word um, around it. And it's a working title right now is oughtness. And that's a word that we don't use anymore. Um, what? Word? Oughtness. So, Ought yeah. Spell it. <laughs> o U G H. T-N-E-S-S. -S. You are so correct. I, I believe today is the first time I've heard that you word come out of a human mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Oughtness. Yeah. Okay. So it's the aspect of what should be done. Yes. It's the responsibility. Yes. It's an aspect of caretaker um, ship. And, Being a good steward of things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's it really brings in that indigenous principle of making decisions for seven generations in consideration mm -hmm. of seven generations. So I, I really wanted to highlight that um, to the guests that are staying there and to the general public that you can make decisions on and tap into what ought to be done instead of just, oh, I should do this, I should do that. No, what, what, what ought to be done on that for the best mm -hmm. results for everybody? Mm -hmm. And that's part of the project that hasn't been recognized fully. They've won over 70 awards, mm -hmm. various tourism awards and design awards and things like that. But I really wanted to recognize them for their um, very, uh, very valued decision-making on the project. Yeah. yeah. We create our, our life and our world through language. So I'm Absolutely. very fascinated with ont ontology and ontological thinking and mm -hmm. I I like exploring different languages mm -hmm. because I think differently in different languages and I understand the people that speak those languages when I when I start learning about how they're structured and how they're formed and um, the roots of those words that mm -hmm. that form those languages and I really yep. respect people in Toronto. There's just so many people that speak English as a second language. And it's, yeah. it's got to be so challenging to live that way. And I really respect the fact that they do. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out this morning to talk with me, Sandra. This has been really fun. I learned a lot about you. I learned we have, I love the things like when I'm learning how much I have in common with other people that I would never have had any other way to find out. So that's cool. And I really appreciate your time. I can't wait to read your books. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. having me on the show. You and most welcome. Yeah, I look forward to the launch in September. It's going to be awesome. Yes. <laughs> Thanks a bunch. Thank you. Bye. If you're hell-bent on wringing every last drop of awesome out of this life and the time you have here, 
I invite you to visit SuzanneSaysPodcast.com for more conversations and to subscribe. If you'd like to be a guest and have a conversation, email me at Let's Talk at SuzanneSaysPodcast.com. Thanks for listening.